Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Thank you. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And aren't you glad that you've heard those words from your Savior today? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What heart of love, what heart of mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. I played Little League Baseball years ago, and it's been many years ago. I was a leadoff hitter, I remember. I was 11 years old. It was my job to get on base, the second batter, the third batter. Then we had a cleanup hitter. And this was the guy that would come up and he'd try to drive us all home. That was his job. And the message today is basically like a, a setup. We would set up the cleanup hitter to try to put him in a place to drive us home. And I want to set up next Sunday morning's message by the grace of God today. And I want to put some things in place because I want the Lord to drive home to our hearts that no matter who we are and what we're facing in this life, there's a God in heaven who is in control. We're going to study next Sunday morning from Matthew chapter 2 about the birth of Jesus Christ, the challenges, the spirit, the opposition that he was facing, even as he was entering to this world, and yet how God prevailed. And as God prevailed for him, God will prevail for us. We face challenges in each of our lives. And I want to set some things up, and I want to show you and illustrate in the scriptures some of the adversaries that we face in our walk before God. This is a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game, the songwriter said. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. We have to stand fast because we have to understand the mind and the motives of the adversaries of the Lord, those who would resist him and his working in our lives. The Scottish mathematician and theologian John Napier wrote, From the Garden of Eden, to the experience of Job, to the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the present day, Satan has tried to move man away from submission to the authority of God and his word. If he cannot do it through direct enticement or challenge, he will attempt to do it through all manner of subtlety and deception. That is why one must be careful not to embrace new revelations that come through any other avenue than the word of God itself. We have God's completed revelation in this book, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the word of God. And God wants us to find our victory, our resource of confidence and conquering through prayer and through the authority and the power of the Word of God. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me in God's Word to begin with in 2 Chronicles chapter number 32. 2 Chronicles 32. The Assyrians were wrecking havoc 
all throughout other nations and that part of the world in this day. They had conquered everyone that they had come up against, and here they were coming up against Jerusalem, the city of God, and the people of the Lord. They were threatening in every way, and, and they were confident that they would conquer Hezekiah, the king, and the people, though they claimed that their God was the only true and living God. They said, your God will be just like the gods of these other nations. But they would find in just a short time that they had truly met their match. They had come face to face, as it were, with the true and living God of heaven. You may want to jot some things down here. You see the attack, number one, of Sennacherib, the attack of Sennacherib, coming against the people of God in verse 9 and following. They were trying to intimidate them, to threaten them, and they were trying to persuade them to rise up and stand against their king because he is going to cause you to die by famine and by thirst, they said in verse 11. Is he not the one that forces you to worship by one altar? I mean, this man really thinks he's something, he's somebody. He's telling you what to do and what not to do, and yet you're at his mercy, and you're going to suffer if you follow him. He's so restrictive. It's his way or no way. We need to be careful there because we do have an adversary and we've got to understand his mind and his motives and what he's trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish, the attack that will come into each of our lives and yet how God will preserve us and protect us if we will follow him and trust his word. Hezekiah had given the people reassurance in verse 6 and 7. He spake comfortably to them. Underline that word in the last part of verse 6. The word comfortably there means to the heart, heart to heart. He said, now listen, our God is the true God. Our God is with us. Our God is for us. Our God is working on our behalf. Be strong and courageous, verse 7. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people, what? In verse 8, rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. They said, listen, you're speaking on behalf of our God. You're reassuring us by pointing us back to him to trust in him, to rest in him, knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? What does it matter who's against us? Our God shall prevail. And so, as these threatenings came in, there were letters in verse 17. The king of Assyria, Sennacherib, wrote, also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel. Underline that, to rail on in print and verbally, in every way. They try to discredit them and their God. 
And we've got to understand that when we're doing God's work, God's way, with the authority of God's word, ultimately, when we come up against opposition, the opposition is against the Lord. It's against the authority of his word. And they railed on the Lord God of Israel. They said, as the gods of these other nations were defeated, so will your God suffer defeat. They cried with a loud voice in verse 18, in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affrighten them and to trouble them. Underline that. The king had told him, said, don't answer them, don't speak to them, don't engage them, don't even go there, leave it alone, leave it in the hands of your God. Our God is for us, our God will protect us. And it says they railed on them, even in their own language, they spoke against them to put them in fear, to cause them to be disturbed and Unsettled, troubled. But then I want you to see this phrase. That they might do what? Do you see it there? That they might take the city. They didn't care about these people. They didn't care about their family, their future. They didn't care about their God. All they cared about is what they wanted. And they wanted what they wanted at the people of God's expense. You have an adversary, so do I, going to and fro as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. That word devour means to make disappear, to finish us off, to take from us what God has entrusted to us, what God has blessed us with. It says here that their motive, their mind was ultimately to take the city. I mean, of all the different things, it's like, well, hey, we'll take care of you. Uh, we'll make sure that you have what you need. We'll just give you another place, another way to accomplish and to achieve what you want. You'll be all right. But the people knew that they were not to answer a word. I want to tell you, if our adversary can talk us out of what God's given us, he will. If he can't talk us out of it, he'll try to threaten us and intimidate us to the point to where we'll willingly surrender it and give it up. His ultimate goal is to take from us what God has given us. There's a point to where we've got to say, now wait a minute, but God gave me this. But God blessed me with this. This is from the hand of Almighty God. How can I give this away? How can I willingly surrender what God gave, what God wants? I can't do that. With Naboth, we have to say, it's not for sale. This is the Lord's. This is what God has entrusted. This is what God has given. You see the attack of Sennacherib. You see the altar of Hezekiah in verse 20. And for this cause, this drove, this very cause, this reason, this threat, this attack, drove Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amoz to prayer as they prayed and cried to heaven. Let me ask you, what is your response to uncertainty, fearful things, times, situations? How do you respond? 
Do you just worry yourself sick? Or do you come to a place where you say, Lord, I'm going to have to give this to you. I'm going to have to make an altar here. I'm going to have to talk to you, Lord. I'm going to have to pray about this. I'm so unsettled. I'm so restless in my spirit. And and we look for this person to reassure us. We look for another. We we try to take stock in our circumstance and, and all of these different things. Yet do we look to the Lord? Lord, I need your help here. I'm just going to have to give this to you. We read how in the book of Isaiah, Hezekiah took these letters and spread them before the Lord and said, Lord, here's what he's saying against you. Lord, I know that you're the true God of heaven, the only God. And Lord, I desire this for your name's sake, that others may know that you're God. Would you defend your name by defending your city, and your people. The Bible says because he prayed. Think about that. It's amazing. How the Lord heard the prayer of Hezekiah and sent an angel in verse 21 and delivered his people from the Assyrians. You see the attack of Sennacherib, the altar of Hezekiah, and then the ability of God. Number three, the ability of God. God is able. God will take care of you. God will take care of your family. God will take care of us if we'll look to the Lord and stand fast and do what's right and we'll understand what's going on. So oftentimes we cower. We're afraid. Let's not give in to fear. Let's be courageous. Let's take heart. That's what God exhorts us to. That's what he said back to the people in verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for this man. This man is powerful. But our God is greater. Our God has the ultimate authority and power and the final say in all matters. Let's lean on him. Let's look to him. Let's trust in him. And God delivered them. The Bible says in verse 22, Thus the Lord, underline that, Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. Isn't that amazing? God protected them. God set a hedge about them. All of them and their loved ones. And I think it's interesting here, verse 23, and many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the the sight of all nations from henceforth. God blessed it is the point. God saved them and God blessed him. It's like, wow, look what the Lord has done. Here we were afraid of losing everything. Sennacherib said, I'm going to take it all away from you. And yet we gave His threats to God. And God not only preserved us and our city, but then God blessed us. I'll tell you, God will bless his people who trust in him, who defer to him, who say, well, the threatenings of others are intimidating, humanly speaking. They threaten us in ways that perhaps we in and of ourselves could not defend. But where we come up short... There's a God in heaven who undertakes for us. And he takes us from there where we come up short and makes up the difference. 
Aren't you glad you're serving such a great God today? I'm telling you, God will preserve his people. God will protect his people. God will guard us and guide us and give us the blessing from heaven if we will trust in him. Don't give in to fear. Pray. Don't give in to worry and uncertainty. Pray. Don't give in to being unsettled. And it's like, well, what are we going to do about this? And what about that? Hey, listen. Sufficient unto the day is what? The evil thereof. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord. When it's troublesome, fearsome, when it's unsettling, when it's not easy, when sometimes it seems futile because the slanders of the adversary. Your God is not there for you. He doesn't hear you pray. Your God doesn't even exist. You're on your own. Aren't you so thankful this morning that we're not on our own? In this world you shall have what? Tribulation. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. Few and full. Few days and what few we have, they're full of trouble. Isn't that amazing? That's your experience in life, and so is mine. What am I going to do? Cower in the face of the challenges of this world? Am I going to give in? Am I going to surrender? Am I going to give up? I'm going to take hold of the promise of God through prayer and take heart and say, our God is with us. There's more with us than there are with the adversaries of the Lord. And our God will defend us, and our God will preserve us. I think about this, but I want you to make sure you don't miss verse 18, that they might take the city. You have an adversary to love to take from you what God's given you. Look over in Nehemiah chapter 6. Remember when they were attacking Nehemiah and the people who were rebuilding the walls there? As they returned after the Babylonian captivity, and Ezra was building the house of the Lord, and then Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls. The enemies of God tried to stop this work from being done, tried to threaten them and intimidate them in every way. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 6, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. I want you to underline that, the mind and motives of your adversary. Hey, let's take from them what we want unto ourselves. What God's giving you. Are you going to willingly walk away from that and surrender it? What about the prayers? What about the price you paid? What about the blessing of God and his faithfulness? They said, hey, they're trying to do something for God. Remember, they tried to get him down off the wall to negotiate, to talk. And he said that I'm doing a great work in verse 3 so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? They tried to threaten him and intimidate him. And he said in verse 11, should such a man as I flee? I can't go anywhere. Remember what he told them? As we read back in chapter 4, it says that they tried to hinder the work of God in verse 8. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night. They were prudent. They tried to do what they could and then trusted God to do what only he could. 
They got tired. They weren't able to do the, the work before them in verse 10. They needed the help of God. Their adversary said in verse 11 of Nehemiah chapter 4, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them and slay them and cause the work to cease. They just didn't want it to happen. I think about what God has done to this point, and I'm glad that we see what God has done because years ago, how many times the adversary just tried to get us to stop. It's never been easy. It's always been a battle. That's the nature of things eternal when they collide with things and minds that are temporal. What are we going to do? Do you ever live with a spirit of expectation? What does God have for me yet? What does God want to do yet? See, the devil wants you to get distracted about things that really don't matter. He wants you to make it about us. And about our comfort, our convenience, our preference, our thoughts, our ideas. See, if he makes it about us, that softens us, that weakens us. That brings us to a place of ultimate compromise, betrayal even. So long as we get our way, so long as we are lifted up and we are verified instead of vilified. Oh, may the Lord speak to us. We've got to die to self and not make the work of God about us. He said, listen, you're going to have to fight for your wives and your little ones. You're going to have to stand fast and do what God is giving you to do. Don't stop what God has begun in you. You can trust Him to continue that work, to complete it, if you'll be faithful. We be faithful. What does God have for us yet? I still live with that expectation. What does God have yet, Lord? What is he going to do yet? Who's he going to save? Whose life is he going to transform? Who's he going to call to preach? Who's he going to help us to send out to the mission field? Who will we be able to train and prepare for the work of God, for life, for a life of victory and blessing. Lord, what will you do yet if we'll be faithful? Oh, we have an adversary. He's going to try to talk us out of what God's given us. Either take from us what God's given us or talk us out of what God has for us yet. You're going to have to make up your mind. Are you going to look to God through prayer and through his word? We're going to keep coming back to that. That's our resource. That's our victory. Or we're going to lean to our own understanding and one day just be talked out of it. And just walk away altogether so many times over things that really in the light of eternity have no bearing whatsoever. May we die to self. May we not be filled with ourselves and our pride to the point to where it hinders the work of God. That's the adversary's mind. That's the adversary, their motive to hinder the work of God. That it be not done. Oh, what a powerful reminder here this morning. Nehemiah and the workers kept going. And in chapter 6 and verse 15 it says, So the wall was finished. God has a work he's trying to complete in us. And he's still working on us. Making us more into the image of his dear son so he can work through us to accomplish his will. 
I remember hearing a preacher say one day, God's more interested in the work he's doing to you than the work he's doing through you. And when I first heard that as a young preacher, I thought, I mean, come on. There's a work to be done. We got to get after it. We got to do what God's given us to do. Wow, have I learned that firsthand these years. God is more interested in the work he's doing to you than the work he's doing through you. Because if you let him do the work to you that needs to be done, then the work through you will be accomplished for his honor and his glory. May the Lord speak to us. Lastly, turn with me over to the book of Luke. This is kind of like a trilogy that thread together in my mind as I read God's word recently. Luke chapter 11, I thought, wow, we have an adversary. This battle's real. We, we don't want to be caught off guard. We don't want to be ignorant of his devices, his schemes, his plans, the Bible says. We want to have the understanding of the Lord. We want to be prepared. We want to be sober-minded. We want to be awake and alert spiritually. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for their self-righteousness. And they didn't like that. No one who is truly self-righteous does like being told the truth and exposed for who and what they really are. So much so that in anger they would rise up against the Lord and one day they would cry out these words, Crucify him. We're done with this man. We don't want to hear another word out of his mouth. Until they got to that point, they tried every way they could to accuse him, to find fault with him. The Bible says they tried to provoke him, to urge him vehemently in verse 53, the last part of Luke chapter 11. I mean, think about it. Laying wait for him in verse 54 and seeking to catch something out of his mouth. And here it is, that they might accuse him. Trying to catch him in his words, trying to catch him in some kind of slip of the tongue or some kind of contradiction or something they could use. Oh, did you hear what he said? He actually, he said that? Yes, he said this. This is what he said. I heard it with my own ears. It came out of his own mouth. This is what he said. And they were like, whoa. That they might accuse him. You might want to write these words down here. That he might lose credibility among people that no one would listen to him. No one would give him a hearing. It's like, we're done with this guy. We have an adversary who's going to try every way he can to cause us to lose credibility among people people so that they won't hear us when we speak or when we witness or testify and if they don't hear the message from God's word then they continue in their blindedness spiritually and in their bondage isn't that amazing oh we need to be careful when it comes to this we need to be very careful when we're just so quick to discredit someone jump on something try in every way to dismiss them altogether. I'll tell you, that was the spirit of the self-righteous. They had a zeal for God. Oh, their zeal was God. It was true. It was real. It was sincere. And it was powerful to them. 
powerful in the sense that it blinded them and it bound them, but they couldn't see it. When you're blind to something, you can't see it. And they thought, our zeal is for God. Jesus said the time is coming when there will be those who put you to death thinking they're doing God a favor. Zeal, but not according to knowledge. Zeal rooted in self-righteousness and pride and self-will. All in the name of guarding the name of God. Oh, we need to be careful about that. If you're not careful, you're going to keep someone from hearing someone else, their testimony or the influence of their life or maybe even their witness because of some doubt you cast upon them. Unnecessarily so. Now we all have faults. We all have shortcomings. If what someone is saying about us is true, we need to own it and we need to confess it and forsake it and learn from it. Isn't that right? We need to have that kind of integrity about us. But if we're doing what's right and it's not so, we just have to keep going and trust our Heavenly Father. Jesus committed himself unto him that doeth righteously, right? And what happened ultimately? Jesus was obedient unto what? Death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should what? Bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that amazing? God will prevail upon, through, by, and with his servant if we'll bear the attack, the verbal assault, the written assault even, as they did back in Hezekiah's day. Everything they said about Jesus was to discredit him. Ultimately, not only to push him back, but to keep others from listening to him. Remember when they really got serious about crucifying him is when Lazarus was resurrected. And they said, everybody's going to believe on him now. We got to do something. Once they see this Lazarus and what he's done there when he said come forth and he actually rose again, we got to do something. We've got to do it fast. Amazing. And what was their ultimate solution? Do something to him that he just demonstrated to them that he has power and authority over. Let's kill him. He just showed you he has power over death. And that's your answer, right? There is no real answer for those who are in rebellion to God, even in their own self-righteousness. There is no true solution. There is no true power and authority on their end. That's why we give ourselves to God and we trust in him. Whatever he allows, we know that ultimately he will prevail upon and be glorified therein. And all of God's people said, God has a plan for your life, for mine. He has a plan for this church. When I was a younger preacher, I didn't want to be me. I wanted to be somebody else. And young preachers understand that. This guy would preach a certain way. I thought, I wish I could preach like that. And this guy, he, this is the way he would begin it. I'd like to begin a message like that. I, I mean, I was always listening to preachers and just thinking about, wow, I'd like to be like that. I don't really like this that much. And God had to teach me a lesson. 
why would I make a duplicate copy of someone else? The world already has one of them. They don't need another copy of them. But the world doesn't have you. Why would you keep from the world the uniqueness that I created you to be and to bring to this world? Why would you deny the world of that, even yourself? I'm thinking, wow. So God has a plan for my life. And I thought, hey, I have an adversary, and if I'm not careful, he's going to try to take from me what God's given me. I can't let that happen. I've got to pray and obey God. I've got to trust God. He's going to try to talk me out of what God wants to do yet in my life. I can't let him do that. The voice you listen to today will determine the life you live tomorrow. Remember that. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'll go back and say, Lord, but what do you say? I'm going to live based upon what God says here in his word. And then people try to, in every way to doubt you, indict you, misrepresent you, malign you, accuse Defame. What are you going to do? Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit myself to him that judges righteously. And I'm going to find myself in him no matter what storm surrounds my life because in him is my refuge. The Bible says that we can rest in him until these calamities be overpassed, these storms of life. I don't know what storm you may be in. Hold to the promise of God. Be anchored in the word of God. God will honor you. Because here's the good thing about storms. The Bible says, and it came to pass. This too shall pass. Storms don't last forever. But the Lord and the promise of his word, those last forever. Isn't that right? So I'm just going to trust in him. Come what may, the uniqueness of what God created me to be to do, to bring to the table. Oh, may the Lord help me to see that and see the value of that as he sees it and not deprive him of his glory through my life. Others of what I can bring to the table, the blessing I can be to them, much less what God wants to do for me and for my loved ones. May God help us to see it in that light. Let's stand with our heads bowed. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.